I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It is championship week, baby. And for those of you that have joined us on the live stream, welcome in, welcome in. You can see Murph is currently sat in front of an American football field for your viewing pleasure. Big man, how are you, my friend? It's championship week, baby. It is championship week. Yes. Uh, apologies for this not happening yesterday. I had a bit of a virus. I spent the day in bed, but I'm fine. I'm back to riding the lightning, uh, as you will. So, yeah, uh, championship week. It's been 109 days since the NFL season started. Uh, and we have four days left of the chat of the fantasy season, unless you play in week 18. I did put an interesting poll out there, which I'll share the results uh, shortly. Um, yeah, it's a busy week. Um, a lot of finals, a lot of uh, a lot of championships I want to win this week. So, fingers crossed, I put a lot of ships in the harbor. Uh, unfortunately, went out of the Scottish Bowl this week, and unfortunately, both our Kings Classic teams uh, lost this week. Uh, no small feat, thanks to Devonta Adams, who uh, oh, well, Aiden Connell, I mean, shout out to Aiden Connell, any guy who cannot complete a pass. <laughs> In the final 47 minutes of a game and still win a game over the Super Bowl champions. Hats off to you. That, that is winning different, my friends. That is winning different. How, how many pass attempts did he have? Well, after after the point where he stopped completing them. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he missed. Is it? I have to tell you, I have to look it up. It was at least 15. He What? No. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a lot. I mean, we were. We, he wasn't. He missed a lot of consecutive passes. Let me look up. Let, I'll give you an exact number. I might have to go back and actually count them. But let me give you a a rough. Let me give you a number. So he his stat line on the day was nine of twenty one. The ninth completion 
uh, was for a yard. He had 9-21 for 62 yards. He didn't complete... Okay, so it's not quite as many as I thought, because he, he only missed 13 passes. So he didn't complete... Let me find... Uh, right. It doesn't matter how many, really. That, that's he, too many. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I. So he completed... On the the last pass he completed was for one yard, and that was when they went three nothing up, right before the field goal. So he completes the one yard pass on the seven to move the ball to the six, where Carlson kicks a twenty four yard field goal to put them up three nothing uh, in a game that finished twenty to fourteen. Um, so he missed one, two, three, uh, four. And there's, uh, we're going to exclude the kneel. That's not a pass. Uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is wild audio. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> and video. I mean, if yeah. you're what, lucky Eleven. to watch this. Eleven. Uh, yeah, 11, 11 consecutive missed passes. I wonder what the record is for a single game of consecutive it, missed passes. It means he started 9 or 10 and then finished 9 or 21. Did someone just switch him off? Like, what happened? <laughs> he was just bad. He just was awful. Do you know what's funny is Patrick Mahomes was absolutely terrible with this game and yet still looked like a Super Bowl MVP compared to Aidan O'Connell, and yet still won the game. Uh, so yeah, um, and if you started Devontae Adams, you probably lost. I did win a couple of matchups where I did start him, but man, it was not pretty. <laughs> so yeah, um, but we got a lot. We got a lot of championships to fight for. I'm really excited for this week. It's a combination of all the work, not just in the last 109 days, but of probably the the 200 or so days preceding that that goes into the content that we produce and uh, the research and the projections and uh, and everything else. So it's an exciting time of year. I'm glad. There's, I, I guess at this point in the year, I'm really glad that the fantasy season ends because you can just sort of break um, mm. and you can get the rewards of your labor. And then about two weeks later, I absolutely miss it. <laughs> <laughs> so. I hear you. You know, uh, you know, last week we were talking about James Cook, the Explorer. Yeah. Well, I looked something up last week and completely forgot to mention it, but I think it still rings true. Do you know his boat was first boat that he went on in his big first exploration was called HMS Endeavour. So, you know, he's he's out there doing James Cook things and we're endeavouring to bring you some ships back to your harbour. I just think it's... Oh, uh, that's the T-shirt of the week right there. It's every week. Every week. It's a... It's a wardrobe. It's a 17-week wardrobe. We've got you locked in, Rush Nation. Next <laughs> year, you can wear one a week for the whole fancy season, and it will never, ever be the same. For realsies. Love it. Yeah. Have you had anyone uh, have anyone play that's gone off in your championship week games, Murph? Uh, so, Brees Hall. Um, Jet Steve. I had a bit of Jet Steve that I stashed away um, in some key matchups that uh, delivered a bit for me last night, which is quite lovely. Uh, I had Jerome Ford uh, in a in a matchup. I benched Jerome Ford in my uh, Jersey League, um, 
against uh, Lucky Guy Fantasy. Shout out to Martin. Um, fierce rivalry. It's it is a 50 50 game that I'm projected to win right now by 0.4 points. I'm not convinced that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so I have Brees Hall. He had the Browns D. Uh, I left Jerome Ford on the bench and he's 26.1 points. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, he dropped Joe Flacco. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's going to go backwards and forwards. So yeah, it, it's, it's early days. Uh, I think if you, Started someone last night. You're off to a good start, but I wouldn't say it's it's. Uh, I had, oh, I had David Jeku in a in a league as well, um, who who produced quite nicely. So yeah, I'm in a lot of close games this week. It's Championship week. You don't take anything uh, for granted, and it always reminds me of <clears throat> you get to this point in the season, and the most common questions I get this point of the season are like benching studs, right? It's someone hasn't done well for a few weeks, and it's like, okay, I I'm gonna sit Stefan Dix. I'm gonna sit, um, you know, players who who just you know players that shouldn't be sitting really, players that you draft in the top three rounds of drafts. Um, someone asked me, you know, should I sit Garrett Wilson? Um, and yeah, it's logic behind it. Like I get the logic. It's your team at the end of the day, but. I think if you spend a if you spend a high draft pick, you've drafted that player to come big for you in big games. Um, I I just don't think I could ever sit a top player and live to see the day that they go off on my bench. I can always live with starting Stefan Diggs and he costs me a championship, then sitting him and sitting him costs me a championship. Mm. That I that I couldn't live with. I just I just think I'd be so annoyed. Because you've drafted Stefan Diggs in the second round to be this guy, and I get it, and I've got a stat about Stefan Diggs while while we're here. Um, that actually, you know, Stefan Diggs in December um doesn't do very well. Um so Stefan Diggs, right? He hasn't logged a hundred yards receiving since um you know his sixth game of the season. So he logged a hundred yards receiving. Five of his first six games hasn't hit that mark since. Wow. Historically, December is actually by far his worst producing month. So his career average from September to November, his career average is, is just under 20 fantasy points per game. When you zero into just December, it's actually down to just 11 and a half points per game. Um but having said that, he actually massively performs against the Patriots. So when he's played two games in December against the Patriots, he has scored more than 21 points in both of those. And there is only games in December where he's, he's scored 15 plus fantasy points. So in December, Stefan Diggs is normally pretty crap. Against the Patriots, he's pretty good. And he's playing the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> so I've kind of thrown all the trends out there for everyone to kind of but the bottom line is in December against the Patriots he's really good so okay. if you needed something to say play Stefan Diggs play Stefan Diggs right just you drafted him like I get it it's easy to say Stefan Diggs tough matchup Stefan Diggs has been bad the last nine games I get all of that Unless you unless you're stacked, and I have a guy, right? Um, 
I have a guy, and don't get me wrong, fair play to him, his roster is absolutely loaded. Um, he does have four top 14 wide receivers. Um, and at this point, actually sitting Stefan Diggs kind of makes sense. So this is my guy, Dave, Dave uh, Mogren. And I actually do um, some audio or fantasy content for his league every year. I review their draft, right? Um, his four wide receivers in which he's got to pick three from, because he only plays with one flex, is Diggs, Nakua, uh, Metcalf, and uh, where's the other one? Nico Collins. Hmm. <clears throat> and that's tricky. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, in that situation, I probably would sit Nico, but that's Even tough. with CJ back? Even, well, yeah, I, I mean, look, it, the coup is a lock, right? Let's just get that one out of the way. And the coup is a lock, right? So you, you've got to pick the coup on form, on points. He got 33 points last week. You're playing the Kua. That's pretty set. Yep. I couldn't live with sitting Stefan Diggs, as I've said, and he has massively performed against the Patriots in the past. It's a must-win game for the Bills. I'm starting Diggs. So then we've got DK versus Nico. Nico is questionable. He's carrying a bit of an injury, has been carrying a bit of injury. He could Listen, that's a hard decision. I would personally probably go DK, but I get the case either way. I look, For me, they're close. Like, I don't... If you have a strong preference over the other, I, I couldn't sit here and make like a logical case. I think they are close. For me, I have DK inside my top 15 this week. I don't have Nico inside my top 15 this week. I just think the matchup with DK Metcalf this week is too good to pass up for me. So I play DK, I play Diggs, I play Nakua. But I can also understand the logic there of, or maybe I, I'd go Nico. But it, it's your fantasy team. Like at the end of the day, you live and die <laughs> by your results. I'm just going through my process and, and what I would do. Um, and that's why people tune into the show, right? So, yeah. But if you've got a loaded roster and you want to bench Diggs, then I'm like, okay. If you're benching Diggs for like a top 15 player, I get it. I'm there. Like, okay. I wouldn't do it, but I, I get it. Um, But... Like there's people talking about benching digs for like Demarcus Robinson. You're just like, dude, like you just need to wake up. Yeah. Like you're getting too cute, right? It's just that is the sort of thing that you'll lose on. Um <clears throat> so I just I couldn't do it. I, I just think for me, if I have Stefan Diggs, I'm playing Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Almost everywhere. You've you you you've gone this far. If like if you were willing to not trade him by your league's trade deadline when he wasn't performing, then that should tell you everything you need to know that you believe at some point he's going to come good. Yeah. You just got to hold that hope and belief. And like I said, he's got great form against the Patriots. So the amount of, the amount of posts and memes I've seen about fantasy final weekend where you don't know who to pick and your lineup is so confusing. It's just, it's baffling to me. Like you, like you just said, you've got to this point. Why is it now confusing? You're just overthinking it at this point. Exactly that. You, you're you overthinking it. Like it's, it's the first week that something is legitimately on the line. 
unless you were playing a- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Win and get in scenario in week 14. It's well, I mean, every... Uh, yes, every playoff the, game's winning... Yes, isn't but it? this... But it, it is, you're right, but this is the week that if you win, you win it all. Oh, absolutely. This is so the, the week. This is the week, is my point. Is <clears throat> Yes, week 14, win and get in. Week 15, week 16, you are playing for something significant. But you're so close now that you can taste it and you can feel it. And you, you're already, if it's playing for money, you're already sitting there thinking about how you're going to spend your money. If you're playing <laughs> for prestige, you have already got pictures in your head and you're dreaming of the trophy especially if it's your home league and you've never won it before, like a hundred percent, you're dreaming of that trophy. Like I'm dreaming of the prizes I can win in the five yard champions of champions. I've never won that before. And, and putting that plate up in the office. Uh, I'm in the UFC where the winner gets a belt. I've got dreams of hoisting that belt over my head. Um, you know, it's, it's hard and you will overthink decisions and that's fine. I think it's okay to take the time to think, but I just think you can get too cute. You can really sit there and zero in on a decision and it really come back to bite you. And I think I, I can always sleep knowing that I started my studs and they didn't perform. Whereas benching my studs and they did perform like in the league where I benched Jerome Ford. So people go like you, you bench Jerome Ford. Like what's going on? Um, Let me tell you who I played over him. Derek Henry, Rashad White, and Brees Hall. Which is legitimately fair. Exactly that. Like, I saw Hall, I I saw Ford against the Jets as a floor play. Decent floor play. But I'm chasing upside in a matchup that is extremely close. And I thought, I'm going to take the guys who will deliver me upside. Now, admittedly, I did have in the flex spot Josh Palmer who has now been ruled out. So there is a case that I could have started Ford over Josh Palmer, but I thought Palmer would go. He's not going to go. I do suffer a bit now. If if I'd known that information yesterday, Ford would have gone in my lineup, but he hasn't. And that is the way it is. So, but with the information I have at the time, I can, I can see that decision. Like I'm fine. Win or lose the information I have at the time. 
I wasn't benching Rashad White, who's been a top three running back over the last six weeks. Derek Henry, who had an absolute stunner last week, and Brees Hall, who has actually gone off this week. So I, I, I'm I'm comfortable with my decision, and that's the that's the process. And like I'm okay starting my studs. I'm okay making those decisions. What I'm not okay with is benching Derek Henry for Jerome Ford, and then Derek Henry scoring thirty points. Mm. And I think that uh, that's the for me. It's the fact we know Derek Henry. We know Stefan Diggs. We know these guys have that play in them. And yes, Jerome Ford's done it, but the likelihood of him doing it is a lot less than Derek Henry. Yeah, I, I, I think that's it. And you know, there's there's a few there's a few really interesting scenarios coming out where there's players who have not performed. Travis Etienne's not performed in recent weeks. Um Stefan Diggs, we talked about, has not performed in recent weeks. Uh, there's a few players that have not performed in recent weeks, and the temptation is to drop them. And that's okay if you have a logical alternative that makes sense. But dropping them for a waiver wire flyer, dropping them for someone who hasn't been there, hasn't done that, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That's the that's the issue I have. So, like, um, I'm trying to think of really good examples here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm almost struggling to, to think of them. But it, I, ju I, I just seems, think that, yeah. It seems to me that at the beginning of the season, we talked about the whole group thing and the problems that can create with your draft. And I feel as if the ability to create memes and posts of instant impact nowadays is so easy that almost the overthinking groupthink into the final week of fantasy is creeping into people's minds, whereas it should be easy to set your lineup. And yes, you like you said, you can have some thought towards it, but there's so many people jumping into these conversations about panicking about their final week's lineup now, whereas last week it was super easy, just set and forget semi-final. That process is exactly the same. Mm. As long as you have a clear thought process going into setting your lineups, the process should be the same. It shouldn't now be difficult because it is the final week. And I think so many people are getting on these comments. Oh, I know what you mean. My lineup's difficult. And all oh, his lineups, there's some my lineups difficult. And you just think, like, slow up, guys. Like, don't think like everybody else. Uh, that, that, you've just hit the nail on the head. Don't think like, like I, I don't want to say I came under some criticism, but some people seem to question why I think groupthink is bad. I don't think groupthink as a principle is bad. I think it's good to get a collective form of ideas to form an opinion. That that to me is a, a, a rational um, definition of groupthink, where you would get a, a group of people, not like-minded, a just a group of people to gather as much information as possible and you make a decision. That, to me, is what groupthink should be. What there is on Twitter is consensus groupthink, where everyone says and thinks the same thing or strives to say and think the same thing. Um, it is exactly what you're describing, that it's so easy to rail on a player, to rail on a performance, to rail on a, a take to be takey, and then everyone jumps on that boat. And it's so dangerous because if you don't have a conclusive thought process or method behind what you do, 
this is where you make mistakes. Now, I can always live with mistakes based on my own process. You learn from that process. I make mistakes. I'm human. Um, there's a. I was in a group chat earlier, and I said we talked about the fantasy receipts account, right, which is toxic and, and not very nice. And I said, well, look, I like the idea of it in terms of the an account that's there for people to submit their horrific takes and laugh about them. I like that as a concept. I think that's funny. I think it's something we should all strive to do, right? Is if you put a take out there and it's wrong, own it. Like it's fine. You don't, and be self-deprecating about it. You say, oh my God, what an awful take that was. It's fine to be wrong. You're going to be wrong. Nobody's right 100% of the time. And have fun with it. It's a game, right? Where we talk about. The whole point of this is it's fun. And someone on the back of this group chat actually then created the account. So if you've been on my uh, X account, Elon Musk's fun ground account, uh, Murph underscore NFL, you'll see me retweet. I sent a couple in. I said that um, Saquon Barkley was going to be a huge rushing touchdown um, positive regression candidate this year. And he's absolutely flopped. You know, he's got four rushing touchdowns this season. Um, he was massively underachieved last year, he's massively underachieved this year. I'll own the L on that. It's a bad take, and I had logic and thought, and I'll look at it again. And you could sit there and justify it and say, Well, you know, they lost Daniel Jones and they lost players and there's injuries, and and the offensive line got a bit banged up, and you're like, Yeah, but ultimately I got it wrong. Um, I said that Mike Evans's touchdown rate would hit the absolute floor this year. Of course, I got that wrong. <laughs> and, and like I laugh at it because I thought Baker Mayfield would be crap and he wasn't. Like, it's fine to be wrong. It's fine to own that and be wrong. Um, I laugh at it. I think it's funny, right? And I share these in self-deprecation because I'm fine with it. I'm comfortable with my process. And when I get into the off-season, I'll look at these again and I'll go, yeah, do you know what? I got these wrong. And here's why. And I'll understand why. And I'll dig into it and I'll learn from it. But ultimately, you've got to have a bit of fun with it. And my issue is that people are scared to be wrong and people are putting takes out for attention. There's the two things out there that are really bad. If you're putting a take out there and you're doing it purely for clickbait because you're just trying to be a thing, that's a really bad process. Like there was someone who unfortunately wrote for Five Yard College who did this. He historically put out takes to be takey um, for attention, for clickbait. Um, and he didn't work for us for very long uh, because he got found out very quickly that this was, his content had no substance. It had no rationale. It was, you know, players going to the moon and that was it. And it was like, there was no logic behind it. There was no thought. There was no reason, right? And, there are takes out there that I completely disagree with, but I understand the thought process and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people putting a take out there. It's different to mine. And as long as there's logic and thought process and a reason behind it, I, you know, you can accept that. Right. If someone had said to me that, Oh, Mike Evans is going to score 12 touchdowns. Cause I actually think Baker Mayfield is an above average quarterback. I'd have gone. And um, here's why I think he's going to be. I'd sit there and go, cool. I wouldn't have believed you, but they would have been right. And I'd have been wrong. And that's fine. Like that's the whole point. Um, it's a long tangent, <laughs> but ultimately, I think you've just got to own you got to own the mistakes, and I think ultimately, you've got to find the people you trust. If you listen to this show, 
you trust the content that we put out to a certain degree. And I think we've hit a lot of hits this year. Um, and I think that represents well for the number of finals I made. I'm not sitting here saying that I'm a phenomenal analyst and I'm better than everybody else. I don't think that at all. I think I've generally had a pretty good year. The takes and the, the process I put out there was, for the most part, pretty good. People like Debo Samuel, people like Brian Robinson. Um, we faded players like Bijan Robinson. Uh, we faded players like Garrett Wilson. You know, ultimately, we made a lot of decisions that, for the most part, panned out pretty well. Uh, yes, we missed on a few players. Yes, we overhyped some players. Didn't pan out. Chris Godwin kind of looks like he's going to come slightly under expectation, but he's not been horrific. Um, but that is what it is. You're always going to hit players. You're going to miss players. The bottom line is you're going into this week, you have a stacked roster. You wouldn't be in the final two if you didn't have a stacked roster, unless you had Amari Cooper and he, he carried you there, which fair play. Um, you're going to get found out this week because he didn't play. Um, but ultimately, I think you have a stacked roster. You're going to have decisions to make, but they're the same decisions you've been making for the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Just is, is what your point is so valid here is it, it means so much more because of the end goal, but actually your process shouldn't change. It should still be viewed as the same. It's still the same as last week. Yes, you can taste it more. Yes, I'm almost contradicting myself a little bit here, but ultimately your process should be the same. You should still be following the same guidance. You just, you trick yourself a bit more because of what is in front of you, what the prize is, you're so close to it, that you do tend to gamble. Now, there are some caveats to this. If you're up against a juggernaut of a team, i.e. a team that is the one seed, they've probably lost one game all season, maybe two games all season, they're the heavy favourite in your matchup. I'm all for taking risk. I'm all for taking risk. And if you think, do you know what, Stefan Diggs is underperforming, I don't like it. I'm, I think he's more of a floor player. I don't like the matchup. I don't like his, his progression over the last nine games. And I'm going to take a shot on someone like Radil Shahid instead, or Rashid Shahid. I'm for that. Like, if you are projected to lose by a significant amount and you just want to throw some chaos players in there, I, I'm 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 for it. It's your team, ultimately. You don't need my validation for that. But I get it. At least there, you can explain a thought process. You can say, Dix hasn't been good. He hasn't scored above 15 fantasy points for X amount of games. I don't feel comfortable starting him. I'd rather put in a player who could score zero, but could score 25 points. And I'm going to throw some chaos into there. And I'm like, okay, fine. There's a logical rationale to that. And there's a decision-making process you have gone through. And you ultimately came to that decision. But benching Stefan Diggs because he's just not had a good few games. And you're going to start someone like Demarcus Robinson over him. That is a thought process I don't understand. Because you're just chasing points. You're chasing production of the last couple of games in isolation. And what you're not taking in is talent, history, pedigree offenses of those teams, everything else taken into account. And I think that's dangerous. So, you know, my best advice I can give is you start your studs. You put your best players out there, the players that either got you here or the players that are most fit. And again, if you've got a player that you feel is not 100% and therefore you feel like I need to bench them, I'm for that. You know, Devon Achan is a player I'm not, I'm not playing anywhere this week. He is on every single one of my benches. I will not trust him in a single lineup. He has got a toe injury that he's not recovering from. The Dolphins only really giving the ball in blowout victories, which they're not going to get against the Ravens. I've got another stat on two in a minute. Ultimately, 
they're in tough games. You got a banged up player in a Chan who looks banged up. He looks hurt. I he doesn't go anywhere near a lineup for me this week. He just he's going to sit on my bench. And if he goes off, fine. But I don't see it. I don't see where he finishes in the top twenty this week. And I think I think that's where, as you quite rightly said, if the juggernaut team versus the perhaps lower seeded team, that's where you will be able to see that at that point in this point. There's a lot of points there. You'll be able to see that in the teams come this weekend because there will be teams who have to start Achan this weekend because of he's one of the players who has scraped them into the playoffs and perhaps through the playoffs to the final week. And those teams will have to start him. And that, again, there'll be teams who, this comes back to your waiver wire ad, unless you can get somebody who is massively going to outperform Achan this week, you might have to start him. And if you were able to grab someone like that off the waivers, but then if you couldn't, don't then potentially start. Cause like you said, Murph, Achan shouldn't be in a team, but if he has to be in your team, he does have that upside play, creating a chaos play. Like you mentioned, if you are one of those teams who has to start him because you're massively outgunned. Yes. But I'd like to think that because he's missed so much time, you probably have an alternative to Achan. This and... is true. I, you know, it, it's not like he's had a dip in form. He's had a dip in form. He's had a dip in form because he's been hurt and he's hurt. He's still hurt. And the Dolphins schedule has got tougher. And if you look historically at the games where he has smashed points, they've been in blowouts. They've been in teams that they've been in wins that have been oh, huge, huge wins for the Dolphins. They are very good at beating very average to poor teams in the NFL. They're almost flat track bullies. Don't forget. Against the Dol- against the Cowboys, where they did win. It's the first time they beat a team with a winning record in nearly two years. They're flat-track bullies, the Dolphins. I'm not discrediting them. I'm not sitting here saying they're a bad team. I'm not sitting here saying they're badly coached. But in the way that they use Devon A. Chan, they use him to... They use him and to basically rest Mostert, and he goes nuts on tired defences. He plays a lot of um, snaps in second halves of games. He takes heavily worn down defenses or second string defenses because the game is gone and he completely destroys them. And that's not knocking Achan. He's a great talent. It's going to be very interesting to see what he does next year. But the guy's currently hurt. He has a toe injury, which for a running back is not good. It's mm. not good. He needs his toes. So ultimately, <laughs> like, he's got a toe injury in a game where they are not favored to win. They're against the one seed in the NFC, who completely destroyed the 49ers, by the way, in what was supposed to be this titanical clash of two elite teams. That was men versus boys. You want to talk about an absolute demolition? I've never seen anything like it. Like, those two teams were so far apart. It was scary. And all the hate that Lamar Jackson has gotten this year and all the disrespect that he's gotten... I hope I hope people just went, do you know what? I got it wrong. Because he looked elite. He looked elite. Well, the, defense looked ha, elite. The, whole, the whole team looked elite. They looked like a brilliant, brilliantly well-run team. How many front offices are absolutely kicking themselves right now with the ability to go and talk to Lamar Jackson in the offseason and then just saying, now nah, I'm good? <laughs> like, it's crazy. I So, funny enough, right? So, I was going through and I was looking at some bad takes I made this year. And do you know what take I did make this year was that the Ravens would win the Super Bowl. All right, I put them against the Vikings in the NFC, which 
all right, probably not going to happen. Um, and I had Lamar Jackson as the MVP. Well, that's I mean, a bad take. <laughs> I mean, like, I got, I got a lot of things wrong this year, but I, I feel like that's going to happen. I feel like that they are the best team in football right now. It's going to take something to stop them, but I do think he ends up as the MVP. I, I, it's going to take if, – if they beat the Dolphins, they pretty much lock the one seed, I believe. Um. I could be wrong. I need to double check the permutations, but I'm pretty sure they're there or thereabouts on the one seat. Um, and then I think that gives him the MVP. Because if 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 San Francisco end up as the one seed in the NFC, you just have to look at that game and then yeah. that will decide it. Like that will decide it. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, I do want to give people some actionable insight. I talked about two other. I want to get onto this because I, I talked about Tua against good teams. I want to talk about Tua in the cold, right? So, you know, we talked last week about um, Jared Goff in the cold. Yep. And I said, like, he's just bad. When it's cold, he's really bad. Um, and then, look, he, he had a good game last week because it wasn't in the cold, right? Um, Tua is also very, very bad in the cold. So uh, I borrowed this research from uh, Joel Smith, right? He's a, a fantasy researcher, great guy, great follow. and. Um, he did some research on um, Tua in under 50 degree weather. And in uh, in the games that he's played in under 50 degree weather, he averages just 10 and a half fantasy points um, per game. And he has just six touchdowns and 11, uh, 11 giveaways. So that's fumbles and INTs. Um, and he's up against the Ravens this week in Baltimore. So it should be scheduled to be under 50 degrees. Um, he's also the Baltimore Ravens have also only allowed two top 12 quarterbacks through 15 games and zero passes have broken 24 fantasy points this season. Um, and they're the best defense against, uh, quarterbacks and two is having to do that in the cold where he's never performed well and on the road. Yeah, I'm uh, sitting two of this week. I, I said this weeks ago, <laughs> I'm sitting two for the playoffs. This is why. I sat him last week. I was okay with that decision. Yeah, okay, he did okay. He didn't do great, um, but he didn't do horrific. Um, I'm sitting him again this week. Well, okay. Oh, by the way, breaking news. Uh, Cortland Sutton has been ruled out of Sunday's game due to being in the concussion protocol. And also, Trevor Lawrence has been ruled out against the Panthers. Yeah, that's good luck, Jared Stitton. <laughs> <laughs> Can Jerry Judy finally do? So? Oh, we haven't even talked about Russell Wilson yet. You're a Broncos fan, like I told you the news, and I told you my thought process on it. Um, Russell Wilson is likely going to be cut. I don't know how they're going to do it financially, and I'll talk about why. What do you think, as a Broncos fan? What do you think? Do you think this is? I, it's, I mean, it's got to be a shock, but what do you? What is your thought? Now you've had time to think about. So before I give you my take on the blue and orange, I'd just let, like to let you know it's going to be forty-eight point two degrees in Maryland on Sunday, um, <clears throat> which is under the fifty degrees math. Uh, so Broncos fan, it's I never liked the trade when we did it, and that I was I was vocal about that. I wasn't a fan of giving up what we gave up for the aging Russell Wilson when. 
it, it's all hindsight and hearsay, but if you could have told me the following season we could have given up two firsts to get Lamar Jackson, then, yeah. I, two winning seasons for a player who costs so much with a huge salary where we haven't made the playoffs, I think that's the... And the cost of going forward and if he gets injury. I just think... Financially, Murph, this for a player that we no longer want, which is blatantly obvious because you wouldn't see a player you were willing to continue to play, right? Unless uh, unless you think he's going to get injured because of the injury clause and the money related. Is this financially the best point for us to give up on him by sitting him now? Uh, look, you're sitting him because if he gets hurt, his contract is fully guaranteed. So ultimately, you sit him the thought process originally was well you're giving yourself time to make a decision which makes sense right you're not playing for anything this year your one percent chance of making the playoffs i don't think you've officially been eliminated but it looks very unlikely you're going to make the playoffs um so you're like okay you're buying yourself some time to make a decision and you're taking the guaranteed contract off the table for now News has then since come out that you're going to cut him. Now, that shocks me in a lot of ways. One, I don't understand why you would leak that so soon and now when you've got so much time to reflect and make a decision. And then you have the financial implications. So he's under contract next season for $36 million. Um, The guarantee part is for future money as far as i understand if you cut him you are going to take an 85 million dollar hit um which you're already on the hook for some of that money anyway where it leads out to where you currently are in terms of over the cap because the broncos are projected to be 18 million over the cap based on the projected cap now we don't know what the cap number is 2024 so that's why it's all projected because we don't actually know it's just an estimation so you're projected to be with that 85 million cap hit, 67 million over the cap. Um, now you have 43 players on your roster, top 51 count. You're going to have to spend another seven to nine million on draft picks, give or take. Again, that's an approximation. So you add that in, you're about 75 million over the cap. So you're at this point now where you you lose the trade. The trade's done, right? It's a spent cost. But actually, to facilitate getting rid of him, you have to blow up the roster. So mm. the list of players that I worked out that you would need to trade or to cut to uh, get close to a break-even uh, for the cap now, there might be some clever ways of doing this. You could defer the cut till June 1, and you can defer some of that money in the future years and borrow the credit card, but that would be stupid. Effectively, the way I look at this now is you're in a full rebuild, um, and you're going to blow up 2024. So this this is not only a trade that's, that's not worked for a couple of years. It's cost you next year at a very minimum. Probably costs you the year after uh, as well. So I worked out that these are the players that ideally, not ideally, but the players you're looking at that have value that you will need to cut 
or trade. Courtland Sutton, because he'll save you close to 10 million. Justin Simmons, who's arguably your best defensive player, because he'll save you 14.5 million. Garrett Bowlers, 16 million. DJ Jones, 10 million. Tim Patrick saving 10 million. That I can see, like he's injured. He, he never plays. Like I can see you cutting him and saving 10 million. That kind of makes sense. And Jared Stidham, you can save 5 million cutting him. That kind of makes sense too. Um, so if you if you cut or trade those players, that gets you 65, a little over 65 million. And then you're about 10. You can restructure some contracts. But effectively, that's your whole team. That's all your best players all yeah. gone to facilitate this. So, like, you're either going to have to restructure contracts and put loads of money in the future years to make this work, which you're then going to be in this New Orleans state where you're maxing out the credit card and you're leveraging against future years, which is fine when you're trying to win a championship. Like, I get that. The Bucks did that, right? The Bucks won a championship, went all in to try and win another championship, came very close, didn't do it. And they paid for it this year with 50-odd million in dead cap, which is why they had signed Baker Mayfield for $4 million. It's why they have seven undrafted rookies on their roster. But what they've done is they paid the credit card in one go, and they might still make... In fact, they're likely to make the playoffs. So ultimately, it's kind of worked. The risk versus the reward was there. They yes, okay, they didn't win that second ring. They came very close. They were one Cooper Cup play away from progressing, and then I think they probably went out to get there. But ultimately they went for it. They didn't work. And actually they've reset. They paid it all off this year. Well, most of it is a little bit of their cap next year, but it's manageable. Um the Broncos should do a similar approach, but it does mean blowing up the team. And then it's like, well, what do you do? And it's like, well. This is why I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I would keep Russ. Like, he's under contract. I get that. But you're paying him anyway. Mm. Like, are the Broncos, since you're blowing up 2024 anyway, and you're already paying the guy, what difference is it if you just keep him and play him on the roster next year? I get it. He's not the future. Fine. But you're paying him to not be there. So you might as well pay him to be there and, yeah. and then start roster building. And then don't take the credit card here. And then you get rid of him the following year where the cap hit is significantly less. And then you can, you've got time to plan all of this as opposed to now this all feels a bit rushed. And then there's this talk that they tried to get him to waive his contract um, or they were going to, you know, or they were going to get rid of him. And it, it sounds like it's a complete breakdown. that's far beyond what's gone on on the pitch. And then on top of that, you've got Sean Payton who went into retirement because his team in New Orleans lost Breeze. They couldn't draft a competitive quarterback. Um, they were in significant cap hell to where they couldn't rebuild. Uh, and he's like, I, I just don't want to be part of this. And he retired. Didn't even go to another job. He retired. And he's now inherited almost the exact same situation <laughs> <laughs> after coming out of retirement. Do you think Sean Payton is going to stick around for a rebuild? I certainly don't. I don't think he's got the appetite for it. He no. might stick around next year. He might not. He might retire. Like, I wouldn't blame him. Like, I think he's been missold a dream here. Um, it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. And, and it's living proof that trading away multiple first-round picks for players in this era does not work. It doesn't work. It didn't work when, you know, look at recent examples. Jamal Adams, that's not worked. Uh, yes, okay, there's injuries and all other things, but ultimately, it's not worked. Um, yeah. You know, 
Uh, Trey Lance, that's not worked. Um, it you know it's not worked here for Russell Wilson. There's many examples we could go through history of multiple first round pick players where it's not. Yeah, I'm sure there's one or two. I'm sure there's instances where I I can think of one, and that's when the Buccaneers traded multiple first round picks for John Gruden, and then the first year wins the Super Bowl. That worked. All right, fair enough. Um, but there aren't many instances where trading multiple first round picks works and ultimately yeah. it's just a mess um i this, yeah. this I is the get cut i and i don't understand how they can cut him no that's it's, i still don't understand i i don't really follow the cap financial side too much so your breakdown was perfect for what i needed to know i think this is just this just smacks to me of a three-year rebuild where Arch Manning ends up being a Denver Bronco because of Peyton's history with the orange and blue, and it's a it's a whole big thing where we get an Eli Manning situation where he moves to the team he wants to go to, and Arch Manning ends up being a Denver Bronco, and everything's good and golden. That's that's where I'm seeing this go. Three years down the road, Bosch. Thanks very much. No, I don't know. Like you say, it is it's just a huge mess and. It was a it, Sean Payton was sold a dream, and the dream was never there really. And we paid, we overpaid for Russ, and then we tried to cure it by getting Sean Payton, who was tested, tried and tested, and it's just not, it's not worked, and it's, it's not, it's not fun. <laughs> no, it's not fun, and it's it's a disappointing outcome, and then. And then you sit there and you think about where does Russell Wilson go from here? Because it's a really interesting crossroads because there's one school of thought of, well, Russell Wilson is better than about 10 quarterbacks playing in this league right now and he betters a significant amount of teams. And you sit there and go, yeah, on the face of it, probably does. But the flip side of this is you've got to pay the guy. And you pay him, you don't pay other people on your roster He's not worth the money that he is going to command. No. And so ultimately I look at the situations and for me, the only team, maybe two, I can come up with two teams in the NFL where Russell Wilson makes sense. Pittsburgh and Atlanta. And I can't think of another team where he makes any logical sense. Pittsburgh, because I genuinely believe he is better than what they've got on the roster at quarterback. They have a pretty good defense. They need to improve the offensive line, but the rest of that team is pretty good. He would improve Pittsburgh, who are already on the cusp of being a playoff team, considering their quarterback play is pretty incredible. I think he genuinely does turn them into a near contender. I don't want to say a contender, but a near contender. I think he significantly improves them. And I think you've got a Eli Manning situation where is that D good enough and healthy enough to challenge them and get them there? Could be tough, but it could happen. And Atlanta, because effectively they're in a division right now where everyone is pretty poor. Mm. Um, and again, they don't have a quarterback. So you would say that would come in and, and steer them to a division title in a weakened NFC conference. How far does he get? I don't know. They're the it's, only two teams to me that makes sense. Anyone else, I don't, I don't see it because they're even in a rebuild. And why would you pay a quarterback in a rebuild? 
and not be able to complete the rebuild because you don't have the money. Because that's what it would take. Or well, that, That's exactly what Denver are going to be doing. <laughs> yeah, but exactly that. But that, this is where, were Denver a quarterback away from challenging? No. Ultimately, they're in a division that is the worst in football in terms of the quality. And then, when I say the worst, like the toughest, is what I mean. Like yeah. you, you, you're, you're up against, and I get it, they made a big move to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, right? And then, you, you know, the Chargers haven't been what they were supposed to be, but on paper, they look loaded. Um, but teams have gone, teams in that division have gone all out to try and perform, and it's not worked. The Chargers, the, the Raiders, and and the Broncos have all gone out and made big moves and they've all failed. And ultimately you have to look at, does it, is making a big move like that actually detrimental more often than not? And it is because the quarterback should be the last piece of the puzzle. That should be the last piece on the puzzle to solve. And then you get better. You sort of, you build the offensive line, you build the defensive line, you start to bring in the weapons and then you bring in the quarterback and you either bring them in through the draft and you get that rookie contract for four or five years, which is the greatest uh, advantage you have in sports. And let's not forget that the Legion of Doom uh, or Legion of, Legion of Boom, uh, that, that's Seattle. <laughs> it's Alamore and Hawk. Is, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Seattle defense was as loaded as it was because Russ was earning a pittance because he was on a rookie contract. You know, having that rookie contract is a significant advantage for any sports team. The, the 49ers are absolutely loaded because they pay Brock Purdy 780 grand a year. Yes, sir. Like, uh, ultimately, they are loaded because of that and not having to pay a quarterback significant money. It is a strategic significant advantage that if you can get a quarterback and your roster is nearly complete, that you can go over the top on it. Um, Same as the Eagles, yeah. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts again, rookie contract and making the most of it. And again, these are these are the advantages that you have by having a rookie quarterback. If you can't do that, then it's okay to pay a significantly good quarterback to get you over the line. This is a harder model to work out. Obviously, the Buccaneers got very lucky with getting Tom Brady, and that plan worked uh, highly significantly for them. Um, you'd argue that Matt Stafford with the Detroit Lions through trade that worked out significantly for the Rams as well. Um, and then you've got the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, who they paid him a significant amount of money because he's one of the best to ever do it. All of that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I, I, I just don't understand the cutting him part. That's the part I don't get. I would keep him. I would play him. I would keep him. And I get it. He's not great. I get it. But ultimately, you're paying for him anyway. And I don't understand why you would give up four or five of your best players to pay for not having him like that to me mm. is ludicrous that's the part that's the part of the equation that nobody's talking about that i don't understand that if if i had to be if the choice was i keep russ and play for a year with russ but i get to keep simmons and sutton and bollers and uh and clark i i I'm doing that. It's but this is the <laughs> ultimate subtraction through ultimate subtraction. Like those yeah. guys probably have to go to pay for not having like that's the part that makes no sense. Is those guys probably have to go to pay for not having Russell Wilson. Unless they find a more creative way that I can't find. And and they're smarter guys than me. I'm not doubting that. <laughs> there probably is a more creative way. I just don't see it right now. 
and even if there is, it probably isn't enough of a financial benefit to not play him. Because when you look at no. the metrics and statistics and stuff, Denver actually haven't been that bad in some of the offensive metrics this year with, in regards to touchdowns and everything like that. They just, like you said, they went into a division in which is the worst to try and compete. And ironically, the teams in that division who are stacked to try and compete can't even compete with a team that is playing historically poor over the last five years for the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's, let's, let's be real for a minute, right? Take the money that he earns off the table. And I get it's hard. Take the money he earns off the table. Is Russell Wilson a bottom five quarterback in this league? No. Right. Is he a bottom 10 quarterback in this league? And uh, uh, No. I don't think he no. is. I think I, I think, think he's is. top. I think he's a top half quarterback in the league. It's just hard for me to value him at true fair value because of what we thought as Denver fans was going to happen at the start of the season. I think he's bang average. I think he is bang average. I think he's somewhere between 15 and 18. I think he's average. Now, I get it. He earned mega money for a bang average quarterback. I get it's a bad deal. Are Denver going to get anybody any better next season? Mm-mm. No. Can't afford to. Can't afford not for, to. Not for free. <laughs> no. And you're not drafting one because you're not nope. picking high enough. He's won just enough games to really screw the organization. Mm. So this is what I mean is you're going to pay him to not play for you and you're going to get worse at four, maybe five positions to like, this, this is where you're biting your hat. You're biting your nose off to spite your face. Denver. that is ultimately what is going on is I get it. You don't like the guy. You don't want him there. I, I get all of that, but you really, you really are blowing up the 24, maybe the 25 season. And you're blowing up and getting rid of some of your best players. Is, it, is he really that bad? Like, re, like, really on the heart of it, is he really that cancerous to the organization? If he is, fine. But you're paying the biggest price of all. Yeah. Like, this is this is just what I don't get. It's just, I, I, I've been, I've, uh, anyway, we've we talked enough about it. We talked like 15 minutes <laughs> about Russ Wilson. It doesn't help you win championships this week. I do want to give some in actual insight. I'll do this now. All right, I want to talk about uh, wide receiver and quarterback matchups uh, this week. And just as I do that, I get the wheel of death. Uh, <laughs> uh, I might have to... Do, there we go. Um, it's taking a sweet time. I might have to leave this on my phone. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're there. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just sort of got the wheel of death. Um, I'm going to do this on my phone. I want to just talk about some matchups that I have uh, highlighted because I think these are really key. I, you know, I last week I, I put some matchups together and the, and the ones I said that were the most challenging were really ones that were really, all of them significantly underperformed their expectations. The really challenging matchups this week, and this is an important one to know for championship week, um, Rashi Rice, he's up against Mike Hilton. That is a really, really, really tough matchup. I think the ECR has him um, inside the top 12 at the moment this week, which I don't understand. Um, so I'm like, 
I'm well out on. I'm not out. Like I'm starting Rashi Rice, but I think his ceiling is is highly compromised um, this week. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. If he was anywhere near your starting lineups, he needs to go. He's got Jalen Ramsey, but T Higgins is a really interesting one. He has um, he has Legarius Sneed uh, this week, so. Um, there's no chase, so the volume is going to be there. And in a PPR format, he will be a sort of mid-level wide receiver too. But in a uh, in a half point or a standard, he, his ceiling is highly compromised uh, this week because Sneed has been a great, great corner this week. So just be a little bit careful of uh, that matchup this week. Nice. Um. Advantages like matchups, I think, are going to go th- through the roof. Uh, Calvin Ridley against Dante Jackson, although I did uh, say this was predicated on the health of Trevor Lawrence with CJ Befford. Uh, you might want to be a little bit careful this week uh, with that, but um, I still think it's a great matchup. I still think if CJ Befford puts the ball in the air, we saw it. Look, CJ Befford found him for a touchdown last week when he came in. Um, he was clearly Befford's favorite target. So I, I I'm down on it a little bit more, but ultimately I'm still there. I'm still starting Ridley, even with Befford playing. Um, but I think it's wheels up Travis Etienne this week. I think he's going to get heavily used, uh, especially in a matchup against the Panthers. Um, in matchups where uh, uh, we had, um, you know, we had we had a Jags fan on a couple of weeks ago, and um, you know, he was mentioning that basically whenever. Whenever the Travis ETM runs the ball, and whenever he gets twenty plus carries, the the um, the Jags win, uh, or his eighteen carries, I think he said. Uh, and ultimately, um, in games where he does get that, he does get over twenty fantasy points. They do tend to win, so it's a must-win game for them. They're playing the worst team in football. I expect Travis Etienne to get heavy workload this week. You can fire him up in your matchups and don't be too worried. I think Cooper Cup is onto a very very big week. Uh, he's up against Cordell Flott this week, who is uh, arguably one of the worst corners in the NFL statistically this season. He's giving up 0.40 fantasy points per route run, which is uh, the most, uh, sorry, the joint fifth most allowed uh, by all cornerbacks. And the Giants are also allowing the joint fifth most points uh, per game to wide receivers. So, yeah, I like that. And Noah Brown, if you're looking for a flex play, Noah Brown with CJ uh, Schaubrack. He's up against Tennessee and uh, Trey Avery there. That's a really good matchup for Brown. So I really like uh, Noah Brown as a under-the-radar flex play this week. Derek Carr or Gardner Minshew? Derek Carr. Yeah, that's where I went. Yeah, Derek Carr against the Buccaneers defense. It hasn't been particularly good in the air. Uh, they're in a win-to-stay-alive scenario. Um Colts pretty much eliminated. If I can't remember if they've officially been eliminated or if they're all but statistically eliminated. There's one team that have statistically still alive but shouldn't be, and the rest are. Uh, I think it's still alive, but I don't think they've got much hope. Um, um, yeah, I definitely going with with Kai. Had a good week last week. Um, thirty five fantasy points. Thirty thirty five points. He had a good week last week. Uh, I, yeah, I'm going with him. I think. Um, wasn't too good against the Buccaneers uh, early on in the season. Uh, I think he'd be better this week. Has a full complement of weapons. Uh, expected to be better this week. Marvellous stuff. 
Marvellous stuff. Anything else for the championship weekend speciality, Murph? Um, let's see. Um, a lot of questions around BJ, B. John Robinson, but with Taylor Heineke, he got 10 targets last week. Um, I expect a similar workload for Bijan this week. You can fire him up, even though it's not someone that I'm uh, particularly hugely high on and don't have a lot of. I do think this is a good matchup for him this week against uh, the Bears. Um, yeah. Um, and your your point about Brees Hall being relevant if he was a receiver came to fruition last night with nine of nine receptions. <laughs> So there you go. So I mean, eighty percent of his points second half of the season have come as a receiver. Did slightly better in the in the run game last night. Um, yeah, I think for me, you're looking at him and thinking that's a, that's someone who is is that's his that's his skill set. He's had a phenomenal season. You have to look at him and say in dynasties probably what the RB one, RB two in dynasties got to be up there. I can't. I, People are going to put Bijan there. I, I'm not there. Not on. Not while Arthur Smith is a coach. And listen, if they anyone that's a Bijan Robinson fan should be cheering Tampa this weekend. Tampa win the division that will likely see the end of Arthur Smith. That might free Bijan Robinson. That might change my thinking. Uh, I do believe Arthur Smith gets fired if he loses the um, division to the Buccaneers with a four million dollar quarterback and seven undrafted rookies. Um, and I think you should. I think anyone that loses a division to that ragtag, a bunch of uh, players, pretty much says it all. I know they've got some great players, but seven undrafted rookies. You've got players that are very lowly drafted, like Yaya Diaby, who's absolutely smashing it right now. Um, Christian Itzen, who who's up there, is one of the best uh, statistical uh, safety slash cornerbacks in, in football. Uh, was a walk-on. <laughs> like... It's just ridiculous. Um, so I think Arthur Smith will go, but I think you're looking at Brees Hall now. If he can stay healthy, really, ideally, you don't want to see him play next week. Um, you want to see him benched or just heavy reduced and come in the next season and be a lot better. Uh, and I think he's he's up there as one of the top two in dynasty running backs. Um, but yeah, again, if you followed this podcast, I think we've given you a lot of actionable advice every recent weeks that's why I've, i, I kind of called the trends this week because your rosters are your rosters there's not much you can do um you can't make any trades there's not much on the free agency waiver wire this week um ultimately you, i think most most people know who they're going to start by now they probably set lineups so i think really it's just about don't let group think especially bad takes cloud your judgment sit down and really work through your decision-making process and make those critical decisions. Start your studs where possible. Throw some chaos players in if you're an underdog and hope for the best. And um, have fun, ultimately. It's, it's a game. Like, have a lot yeah. of fun. <clears throat> Try and win some ships. Good luck to everybody um, who's out there fighting. Well done on getting this far. Um I got a lot of finals, so I hope that uh, the people I'm up against lose spectacularly. Uh, <laughs> I want to thankfully, thankfully, Murphy, you and I are not faced off in any finals this year. No, we're nice. not. We're not faced off in any finals. Um, 
I am in the final of your home league. I'm trying to take your title from you. Obviously hey, look, listen, I, I took that title away from myself when I drafted old people. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes. And then also, um, I don't know if regular listeners of the show will remember Joel, our commissioner extraordinaire who came on early in the season. And um, shout out to Joel. Again, a phenomenal season commissioning. He is up against Adam Rank in the uh, toilet bowl game. Um, which is great. And uh, I'm in the championship game. So he made a nice sort of snippy remark about how I'd never been to uh, his bowl game. I don't know if it was on here or if it was in the draft video, but let's just say I I took that. I kept the receipt, as the kids would say. I'm in the championship this week. It's a 50-50. I'm actually playing the guy who I replaced in the league, and then he's come back. It's a redraft. It's not a dynasty. So, like, he left, I took his spot, and then someone else left, and he came back. So, interesting times ahead to see if I can take down that one. But at least I've become the uh, best fantasy analyst called Adam in that league for the second successive (laughs) year. (laughs) Which is always fun. Uh, Yeah, so, yeah, if I'm playing you this week, I hope your lineup against me stinks to high heaven. Um I've got three fantasy care eliminators that I'm, including my own. What a terrible host. I put up a prize. (laughs) (laughs) And now you're going to take it back. Which is a champion's t-shirt. And I'm up against, um, I'm up against Johnny. Um, So if I win it, I either have to buy a shirt for myself or not buy one. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Mm. It's quite, it's quite embarrassing buying a shirt for yourself. Um, <laughs> hey, but you got there, my friend. Well, you got I haven't there. won it yet. I might lose. He put up a bigger score than me last week, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a fun time of year, and like, um, thank you to everyone who has partaken, who has listened, who has sent questions, who has interacted in the pod anyway, listened to five minutes, shared, told friends, um, guested, um. Inter- uh, anyway, in any way that you've been part of this podcast, uh, we appreciate you. Also, it would be remiss of me to not mention um, some wonderful people who are leaving our family uh, this year. <laughs> Makes it sound like they're dying. They're not dying. Um, <laughs> but the wonderful Rob and Pitsy uh, are hanging up their microphones and stands. Uh, if you missed it, the final Fast Action Friday aired uh, earlier today. And, you know, we got to know Pitsy through interactions early on in this podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, we both have become very close to Pitsy over the years. And then he brought Rob involved. And Rob has been running the social media accounts. Uh, both guys are just A1 guys, right? Absolutely. Two of the best blokes in our family, in the community, um, selfless, tirelessly working to create content for others to have come up with great idea. Pitsy was part, part of the UK FFC kickoff and uh, did a lot of work behind the scenes that he gets absolutely zero credit for. Rob has curated and edited thousands of, uh, of hours of content and articles and has selflessly put this family above his own at times. And from the bottom of my heart, 
I wanted to just thank them both for their incredible attitude, service, commitment, but also just friends forever. Um, genuinely top quality blokes who I love in my heart and always will forever. Um, and the doors never closed. And if their situations change, they're always welcome to come back. Um, we never close the door on many people here. Um, some people leave to go on to do better things. Some people go to put their day jobs, family, etc. Um, but just going to miss them. But at the same point, I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank them both for incredible work over the years and for being great counsel, great friends and great colleagues and just great people. So I, I you know, it's never great to say goodbye, but um i yeah just a massive thank you from the bottom of my heart. i know you've probably got a few words you want to share as well 100 percent. it's it's been they've been some of the ogs from when five yard turned from the kitchen table hobby of a couple of fellas to taking on staff and creating more podcasts and websites and you know it, <clears throat> what people don't understand from the podcast side of things when creating podcasts is it is not just a plug and play sort of thing. There is so much more that goes into creating a podcast and a brand that we are lucky enough to be able to call Five Yard these days. And none of that would have been able to happen the way it has with without Pitsy and Rob. And, and like you said, Murph, a couple of guys that regardless of situation, I will always have in my phone book and they will always be my friends and I will always speak to them. And it Five Yard won't be the same. It's like when Rich left and mm -hmm. now Pitsy and Rob are leaving. Five Yard will not be the same without them. So... I, it is a massive thank you for me as and, and and you said so Murph and we'll, we'll carry on we'll keep striving but there will be a Pitsy and Rob shaped hole somewhere in that star spangled banner that you see above our glorious faces Murph so yeah massive thank you to you guys we we are going to miss you greatly but as Murph said the door is is never closed so you are welcome back at any point fellas but yeah a massive massive thank you and and if you two are in any ships this year we wish you glorious endeavors and talking of endeavors murph the hms endeavor that we are both aboard this week is looking forward to tying itself up against other ships that we've acquired this weekend in the five yard harbor it's uh it's that time of year where we get to celebrate amongst friends and uh, i guess revel against the enemies of the fantasy football community that we we love so much right yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm up against some absolutely fantastic people, some great friends, uh, great colleagues. Um, I've made so many great friends this year. I've continued to harvest friendships throughout the year. It's been a crap year for me for a health perspective, but it's been a wonderful year enriched by listeners of this podcast, um, followers on Twitter. Um friends for life people who i've never met took the time to send me videos of of support and hope for my birthday people who dropped me messages of support when i was in my hospital bed for 30 odd days and didn't have the energy to even stand up uh, people who sent me stuff in the mail um some anonymously some uh not so anonymously um <laughs> just blown away with this community um you know it reminds me of when i first started podcasting with you stocks right and you know i always said to you my mission 
was to end random NFL.com leagues for the UK people. That the UK people would be able to find like-minded people to play in leagues. And I said that I would host as many leagues as I physically could to ensure that people had at least one league that they could play in. And that mantle has grown. We haven't let up on that mantle. Others have taken up that mantle. We now have a really strong community of players, of people. We have our own fantasy football expo for crying out loud. You know, if you told me seven years ago that that was going to be on the table, I would have gone, I'd have been like, no chance. And I think we're now at the point where we can say that people in the NFL don't have to play on a random NFL.com league anymore. There are enough leagues run by enough good people. Charity leagues, paid leagues, uh, free leagues, interesting leagues, IDP leagues, whatever leagues. You know, you've got Simo running 100 plus people in brick towers you have uh matt cullen running the jtt you have uh greg and foley in the warrior bowl you have jack uh humphrey who hosts several leagues and the charity league of his own in honor of good friend steve reigns you have the ffcc you have all our listener leagues you have dynasty rich and all the leagues that he runs you have the guys at uh fantasy wildcard and all the leagues that they run and uh, Dynasty Kev or uh, the Dynasty Goat Kev as he goes by and all the Dynasty Leagues he puts on. Uh, and, you know, Neil, uh, who's got multiple leagues that he runs. Um, I oh, talking on. of that, I'm in the final of my Division okay. 3A this week. So, yeah, I could get promoted. if I, I, think, I think if I win, I go up to maybe 2A as well rather than 2C. So I should be one a, step off. 3A is the most prestigious until you win. Then that division becomes the most prestigious. Well, I mean, I got relegated last year, so. <laughs> <laughs> Second most prestigious. Yeah, that's it. <sighs> I love it. But yeah, Neil Elliott, uh, all these guys running, and there's many more. Uh, and if I haven't, uh, uh, Pestle's run a, 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 a charity league. Um, Stephen, uh, gaming teacher, um, Johnny Edwards, Orkney Bowl. There's so many others, I, and I'm I, like, as others, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't keep going. Um, all of you that run leagues, just thank you, um, for growing our community, servicing our community, to making sure that people don't have to play on a random NFL.com league, like. The bottom of my heart, that was the one thing I really wanted for people was they didn't have to play in crap leagues that were heavily abandoned. <laughs> and now we have a huge array of interesting, phenomenally run leagues. And yes, there's one or two bad apples. I understand that. Ultimately, there's a lot of really good people who do a phenomenal job. So um, my thanks to all of you um, who run leagues, who play in leagues, who keep things interesting just yeah i i love this community i love to be part of it i feel a great responsibility towards it i don't take that lightly um but yeah uh, just amazing even like guys at the fantasy game day app who have started they've we now have in the uk our own dfs uh gaming app for our own community like it's wild how good this community is and how much it's grown and how thankful that we are as people who might have been early to it, might have helped grow it in some capacity. I think just to be part of it in some way is an incredible honor and feat. And 
for that, I'll always be proud, regardless of whether we do one more podcast or a thousand more podcasts. Absolutely. It's championship week and we've already got soppy and there hasn't a single result in yet. So there you go. That's <laughs> that's how you know the true golden nature of this podcast, Murph. We're, we're here to chat ball and make friends, right? Family, football, podcast. That's uh, family, football, friends. I think it says on the back of my five-yard jumper. So that's the the true nature and mantra of this podcast. But hey, feeling the harbour is always nice, right? Yeah, and fingers crossed there'll be 15 or 16 in my harbour tomorrow or next week, and uh, I'll be victory lapping to heart's content next week. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to win them all, but um, <laughs> listen, if I can take if I can take a few down, I'll be I'll be very very happy. We'll see how uh, how I end up. Um, um, yeah, there's there's obviously some leagues in there that mean a bit more to me than others. Um, with no disrespect to any of them that I'm in, but um, nevertheless, fantasy title is a fantasy title. It's well earned. It's it's not fluke at this stage of the season. Yeah, hard work, grit, determination get you there. Um, you've outlasted a lot of people to get to where you are. Good luck to those who are in the Scottish. Well, shout out to um, Paul FF uh, Goatball, the one of the last two remaining in. The UK, who has made it through to the Scott Fishwell final. He's repping five yard. Go, Paul. Bring it home for all of us. Um, if he wins, he doesn't know this yet. He's going to come on the pod next week. Uh, if, he says no, if he says no, I'm going to drag him onto the pod next week. He's got no choice. <laughs> um, even if he has to do it behind the black screen. Uh, he doesn't come on video I don't care, he's going to come on um, but yeah, shout out to Paul uh, making the final, uh, fingers crossed to you fingers crossed to all of you in your fantasy championships if we can help in any way uh, do get in touch um, we'll do our best, it's obviously then that time of the year with families and Christmas, New Year's Eve etc, so uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie if I know that you interact with the podcast and I know that you interact with our content, I'm more likely to reply to you than if you don't <laughs> And that's not being horrible. I, 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 admittedly, the the requests have gone down. I still get about seventy to one hundred a week. I don't answer them all. It's just the inside track, baby. It's just what being part of the family means, right? There you exactly. go, Rush Nation. There you go, Rush Nation. Well, as Murph says, we wish you all the best of luck in your fantasy football matchups in the Championship Week. Unless you were playing us, then maybe not quite as much luck. But hey, we've got to fill that uh, Murph-sized Royal Navy's harbour that he's filling up right now with all those titles he's bringing home. Rush Nation, as Murph said, running backs need their toes. And as always, don't forget to keep <laughs> rushing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.